Wow. I wasn't ready for that. Thank you, Savannah. That was beautiful. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. It's a quiet, small town, under the radar kind of town. How many of you are from a small town? Can you see a show of hands? Wow, a number of you are from a small town. Great. Well, my mother-in-law is from a small town. She's uh, from a little town in Idaho. And my wife and I, uh, it wasn't fairly recently, it was like five years ago, we had an opportunity to go on vacation up to this little small town. And when I say small, it's, it's a small town. It's like a one light, you know, one stoplight kind of town. And for those of you that come from small towns, you're like, that's not a small town. I have a one stop sign. Small town. Okay, all right, you win. All right. But anyway, it's a small enough town to where like, we're up on top of this, this mound or this hill and we can see the entire town. And I lean into my wife and I say, do you hear that? She's like, hear what? Nothing. Isn't it great? Like, isn't it amazing? Just that quiet and that stillness. And when I, when I hear this song and I think of Bethlehem, I often think of that, just a small, quiet, still place. But that's not the Bethlehem that we read about when Jesus was born. And so to kind of bring our attention to what the scripture has to say, it was a, it was a very different year, it was a very different time. And we're going to be turning in our Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And this is a, a passage of scripture that's really near and dear to my heart, not only because it's the story of Jesus, but because it's something that my parents, um, it's on page 832. I think I can make it through this without crying. We'll see. Um, my parents have this tradition in our home every year at Christmas uh, that we read the, the, um, the story of Jesus. I'm stumbling because I'm all choked up about what I'm about to do. But um, we read the story of Jesus' birth before we open presents. And it's not like verses 1 through 11. It's like the whole story, okay? And as a kid, you're like, I get it. He's born already. Can we open presents? Like, come on. No, you got to read it from Luke, maybe. You know, hey, if you're not good, we're going to read it from Matthew. So like... <laughs> but uh, what I want to do is actually invite my dad. I didn't tell you you're going to do this. But would you come up and read uh, for us Luke 2? This is uh, the NIV. It's a Bible that my dad gave me um, when I graduated junior high. So would you read for us? So he gets his crying from me. (laughs) (laughs) In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. 
and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Amen. This concludes the reading of God's Word. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Dad. I love you. I don't know if you caught it in there. Uh, did you hear the kind of town that Bethlehem was? It was very different than this small, quiet kind of place, wasn't it? I mean, open up your Bibles, Luke 2. Let's go to verse 1. You'll see. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world would be registered. All the world. I mean, that's pretty ambitious, right? And then you go to verse 3, and it says, all went to their own towns to be registered. And then verse 7 And she, being Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son, that'd be Jesus, and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in the manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Like how chaotic does this town have to be for a pregnant woman who's about to give birth to only have the shelter of a cave? That seems like it's crazy. I can't imagine the chaos that was going on in this town. How many of you guys remember uh, the eclipse this year, right? Remember the eclipse? Remember all the small towns up in the Northwest? Everyone from around the world, it seemed like, was converging on those small towns. You know, you guys bought those glasses that are like NASA approved, right? And that you could look up in the sun and the total eclipse of the heart was on repeat like over and over. Like Bonnie Tyler's like making a comeback strong. Um, yeah, that, that is what I imagine when I think of Bethlehem in this time. In fact, I imagine it, you know, being filled with horses and chariots and, you know, um, some donkeys and some carts and, and maybe some sheep and some goats. And I don't know, maybe down the street they have like some food carts lined up. People are just kind of milling about. And it's like overcrowded, really, really overcrowded. People are living on top of each other. Uh, there's absolutely not enough housing for the demand right? We have pregnant women who are living in shelters. Sounds more like LA, doesn't it? Yet in the midst of all of this chaos, in the midst of all of this chaos, lies the promise of hope. Lies the promise of hope. It's in, uh, we find this promise in the book of Micah. Micah was a prophet. He, he uh, writes in Micah 5 verse 2, but you, O Bethlehem, of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient of days. Bethlehem held hope, held hope of this coming Messiah that would rule the nation of Israel. And that's where we hear the hopes and fears of all the years are met 
in thee tonight? See, the question I want us to explore this morning is, where do your hopes and fears lie? Where do your hopes and fears lie? A friend of mine, uh, she wrote this. She said, vulnerability is contagious. When we share our stories in real and messy ways, we give people permission to do the same. And in the sharing, we release some of the things that keep us trapped in our isolation. And we remember that we are not alone. And we remember that we are not alone. And that brings hope. And that brings hope. So I want you to think about where do your hopes and fears lie? And I'm going to step into some vulnerability. Here we go. So I have, uh, this thing's been happening to me at night. Um, I'm having these night terrors. I'm waking up in a panic. I think that some, for some reason my son Benedict is in our bed and I wake up and I'm thrashing around the covers and Rebecca wakes up, <gasps> what's the matter? And I'm like, Benedict, he's in the bed. And she's like, no, he's not. He's not, he's in his crib and he's sleeping. So I jump out of bed and I run in my stupor and I see him in the crib and he's sleeping, sucking his thumb. And I'm like, wow, what is going on in me, right? What is going on? Well, it, the fear is directing myself towards my hope, isn't it? My hope is the, for the safety and security of my son. What's my fear? That I cannot protect my son in every circumstance, that I can't keep him safe. And that's true. As a father, I can't keep him safe in every circumstance. Hence my fear and anxiety. So what's your fear? What's your hope? You thinking about it? Starting to identify it? Let me give you another story. I get to, on a fairly regular basis, see my dermatologist. She's a wonderful lady. but every time I go in, we do this whole full body scan of every mole that's on my body. And uh, usually every single time, usually every single time, every single time, it seems like, <laughs> she takes a mole off. It's so fun. You totally have to try it. It's really good. Um, but there's usually this waiting period from the time the mole's taken off to the time you find the results. It's two weeks And I find that two weeks is a perfect amount of time for fear and anxiety to take root. And so I I get this phone call from my doctor. In fact, I I actually missed the phone call. I got this voicemail and I'm listening to this voicemail after hours. And it's Mr. Morgan, this is Dr. So-and-so. And and I just wanted to give you an update on uh, the the reports from the biopsy that we took. Uh, It's really important that you give us a call back as soon as possible, thanks. What does that mean? I don't, I don't have a clue as to whether or not that's good news or is it bad news? Like, why couldn't you just give me a hint in there? So I'm like, okay, well, my earliest convenience is right now and it's after hours. So what do I do? I go and I, I call the hotline like, okay, um, yeah, this is an emergency. I need to know the results of my test. I can't sleep. It's my emergency. And so they call me back. Hi, Mr. Morgan. Uh, do you have a moment? What, what? What? Why? I don't need a moment. Just tell me that it's okay. Like, that's so quick and so easy, right? But you can see just in that waiting, in, in, in that moment, all, all the blood rushes out of my face and I just am directed towards 
my fear, right? My fear would be that on the other line, I would hear, Mr. Morgan, would you, are you sitting down? You have melanoma. And my hope is in my physical body, right? That I would be cancer-free, that I would be um, living my life healthy and long and happy. Those are my hopes and those are my fears. So I'm asking you, what are yours? Are you willing to be courageous? Are you willing to be vulnerable to share maybe a hope or a fear? Because I believe that as you do, you're going to allow for others to open up. I believe that as you do, you're going to be allowing others to be courageous. Thank you so much. So just one hope or one fear. Would you let us know your name? Hi. Yeah. Connie, hi. I'm Connie, and um, not long ago. Can you I, hear Connie? I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Okay. Not long ago, I had a big scare, and I was told that I had colon cancer from my doctor. Mm. And so my youngest son came out to be with me to go for the colonoscopy. And mm. I had a whole week of planning, thinking, okay, I don't mind, Lord, if I die, mm. but I don't want to suffer like that. Mm -hmm. It was just so frightening. And um, praise God, the night before I got the call from the doctor, mm. I told my Bible study group, that I overcame this big fear of not having control. Mm. And if I'm in a box, I feel like I can't get out. Yeah. And so um, God was so good, and he took, gave me peace. My mm. son and I went, and I praise God. I was completely clean. Yeah. I was completely fine. It was a false, it wow. was a false positive. Wow. And I was praising God, and I said, you know what? During that time, I just was released. It was mm. like, whatever you want, Lord. I'm yeah. good to go. I'm good to yeah. stay. You know, and I had the peace that he gave me, and wow. that was my, that's how I got rid of all that fear. Wow, it praise God for that hope. Thank you, Connie. That's incredible. It's an incredible story of hope. I don't know if you, if you heard that she's, you know, I, I, I don't want to suffer. That's your fear. But the fact that you had the time to enter into that fear with hope, that's incredible. Does anyone have a fear or a hope that they'd like to share? Thank you, brother. Can you share us your name? My name is Danielle. Most people know me as Donnie at Bel Air. And Psalm 130 has been very precious to me when it says, more than the watchman in the morning, more than the watchman in the morning, knowing that the sun would rise because you believe that a promise that has been spoken over you will come to pass. I just turned 48, and I've been saving myself since I was a little girl, and the Lord promised marriage to me when I was 23 on a beach in South Africa, and it has been prophesied over to me that my promise would come for me, but yet a little bit longer than Sarah, I wait, mm. and I wait. But the Lord has always told me, Luke 145, blessed is she who believes that all the Lord has promised will come to pass. Mm. And I know that my God, when he speaks to my spirit, that he will not forsake me. And perhaps I may never have children, but he made me a promise about the partner that he's raising up for me, and I will continue to pray for him, though I know him not. Wow. Thank you, Donnie. These are stories of fear. If you hear in that fear, you hear the hope that can be carried through fear. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for sharing with us what's going on in your life. It's not easy to do. 
How many of us can relate to some of the stories that were shared? Can you look around? Keep your hands up. Look around. Connie, Donnie, you're not alone. Everyone else, you're not alone. In fact, there's two kinds of people I believe that are here in the sanctuary right now. Those who are afraid in need of hope. And there are those who hold hope for those of us who are afraid. So we're going to look at, again, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. These are shepherds just working the night shift, going about their business, confronted by something that they have never before encountered, and they were terrified. This encounter invoked fear in them. Have you ever felt fearful of something that you've been confronted with? See, I have this really bad habit right now. It's a habit I need to break. It's I use my cell phone uh, for my alarm. That's not the, the habit I need to break. The habit is I pick up my phone when I wake up in the morning. And the first thing I do is I hit the news app on my phone. Does anyone else do this? I'm talking before coffee, okay? Not a good idea. And I get on there and I am immediately overwhelmed by what I am confronted with. Because 2017 has had its fair share of fear. There's been hurricanes and floods, there's been fires and earthquakes, worldwide political crisis. It seems as though no one trusts anyone anymore. There's been shootings in public venues, shootings in private sanctuaries, people being sexualized, marginalized, polarized, and radicalized. Should I keep going? No, because we're starting to feel a little overwhelmed right now, aren't we? These are just some of the mainstream fears. I mean, this is what we call daily news, daily. Yet in the midst of this fear, in the midst of this fear enters the promise of hope. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. See, many of us are afraid in need of hope, but there are those of us in this room who hold hope that those of us who are in fear desperately need Look at, again, Luke 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. The angel says, do not be afraid. I I come with really, really good news. God has entered in and God dwells among us. God is here. Savior is here. Did you know that the word angel uh, means messenger? Did you know that? And uh, the Greek for angel is engel, which sounds a lot like, well, angelus. Sounds a lot like angelus, right? This is Spanish for angelus, los angelus, the city of angels. You guys know this, yes? And we're all angelinos, right? We're all little messengers. Did you know that? Like, that's who we are. That's our identity as, you know, citizens of Los Angeles. What if, what if we as the church surprise the city of Los Angeles with a message of hope in Advent? 
What if we as Bel Air Church surprise Los Angeles by entering in and offering hope? Practically, what, what could this look like? What would this look like? Well, I want to tell you a story about uh, some brothers and sisters that we have in Egypt. We have a sister church in Egypt that we partner with. And if you have been reading the news, you know that there has been some pretty crazy stuff happening in Egypt. There was 305 Muslim worshipers killed in their sanctuary. And if you think that that doesn't shake the church, the Christian church in Egypt, just because they're Muslim, we're mistaken. It does. It rocks them. And so there was this prayer meeting that was happening and the, and the, the church and the leaders of the church were praying and, and the, the senior pastor said to his leaders, would you be willing to die for your faith? I don't want you to answer me. I don't want you to raise your hand. I just want you to think about that as we pray. Can you imagine being confronted with that reality? And here they are, they're, they're praying, they're washing each other's feet. And at the end, no one has to say anything. They all know the answer is yes. And I look to them and I say, I said to this pastor, I said, how could you so firmly say yes to that? You have to be afraid. He said, pastor, it's not that I'm not afraid. It's that if it means that one more brother or sister, one more Muslim would come to know the liberating hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And yes, I'm willing to lay down my life. And I'm struck by that because I'm like, that is love. That is love. And so they continue to enter in and they continue to offer hope. Our brothers and sisters uh, go to these refugee camps and the, the children at the refugee camps, they, they can't go to the local schools because they're refugees. And so they don't have a school system to learn. And so what the church does is they set up a mobile school system. And these kids are learning math and science and all the basics. And in fact, they're actually singing songs of hope, Christian songs of hope. These Muslim kids singing Christian songs of hope in these schools. It's incredible. It's incredible that this church is acting as messengers of hope in their communities. What would it look like for Bel Air Church? I believe that in order for us to be messengers of hope, we must first start by learning the hopes and the fears of our community. We have to learn the hopes and fears of our coworkers and our coaches, our neighbors and our nannies, our baristas and our bartenders. Because if you don't know the hopes and fears, how are you supposed to enter in and offer hope? I believe it comes even closer to home. I think we need to know the hopes and fears of our spouse, of our siblings, of our children, of our neighbors, of our friends of the person that is sitting next to you this moment, church? Do you know your brothers and sisters' fears and hopes, the people that are sitting next to you? Because then, and only then, are you able to enter in and offer hope. I've seen you do it. I've seen you rub the feet of a friend who's battling depression. I've seen you lay on the bed with one who's suffering in chronic pain. I've seen you pray for one who is mourning loss. I've, I've seen you listen to the one who's afraid of their future. But when others are confronted by, by fear, you are the ones who are bringing the hope, bringing the hope to those who are in need. And 
The final verse of this soundtrack that we've been doing, this, this is the first track, track one of our Advent album. We're going to be exploring, developing this Advent album over the next four weeks. But track one, the last verse says, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born to us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. This is the hope that we need. This is the good news of great joy that is for all people, that God is with us. Emmanuel is present tense. It's not past tense like God was with us or future tense that God will one day be with us. It's Emmanuel, God is present with us today. This is 2017 Jesus present with us now in our hopes in our fears. Christ is our hope. Christ is the hope that's in you. Christ is the hope that's in me. Christ is the hope that our city needs and Christ is the hope of the world. So whether you are holding on to hope or you are feeling hopeless, I invite you, I ask you, I pray that you would, that you would invite the one who is hope to enter into your hopes and your fears. And that you might make this last verse of this first track of this, this Advent album, that you might make it your prayer this Advent. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born to us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Can you say it? Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Amen, amen.